I just don't know who Mitch Keller is anymore. And I'm around the dude all the time and was around him back when I thought I knew who he was. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning from Milwaukee. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. But this show is coming to you from the scene of where the Pirates beat the Brewers 4-2. to two here last night in a really impressive performance on a lot of fronts, not least of which was that Mitch just kept on being the new Mitch. In the 16 times he's made starts ever since that brief banishment to the bullpen, going way back to May 31, he's allowed three earned runs or fewer 13 times, all but three of those 16 starts went basically very well. This one went a little bit better even than most. He went six innings, two runs, four hits. The two runs both came on a Colton Wong home run. All Colton Wong does in his life is wait for the Pirates to come around to hit home runs against him anyway, so I'm not even sure that counts. He struck out 10, career-high 10. And the way... He did it was more impressive than the count. He fired that fastball up there, 96, sometimes up closer to 97 miles an hour, going back to the Mitch that everyone was all sky high about in spring training that was hitting triple digits at different points of that camp. But he also mixed in slider, changeup, curve, and pounded all of them, went right at guys, two walks on the night. And when I asked him afterward about having his pitches, I had a little bit more to the question, and he he just basically cut me off by nodding very enthusiastically with his eyebrows up. Like, he didn't have to give me an answer. I could just see it. And he he said in an almost half-joking tone, When you have them all going, you want to use them all. Like, you don't know when it's going to come back again. He's really efficient. He's really productive. And he's really confident. There's something else that I can tell you about him. That he used to kind of be that guy that would walk into the room and just kind of slink in. I don't even know if that's a word. He'd he'd be the guy that would just kind of move into spaces. Now, when he walks into the room, there's a little bit of something to it. It's not cockiness. I'm not going to call it that. He doesn't have a cocky bone to him, but he knows that he's the dude. But even that, all that that I just shared with you isn't what impresses me the most. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. 
It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Let's go back a couple of weeks. Do you remember Mitch's start at PNC Park where he looked really out of whack? Low on velocity, had absolutely no bite to his off-speed stuff. He was getting hit very hard. He got taken out after a visit to the mound from the athletic trainer. And afterward, Derek Shelton told us it was fatigue. Like, fatigue? What's that mean? Fatigue sounded like a euphemism. Aha! Shoulder, elbow, something. And that's as far as he went. Went to the clubhouse, talked to Mitch. Mitch said the same thing. Fatigue. You just feel tired. Oh, wow. Okay, well, that sounds like the prelude to a shutdown. That's what you do. All right, Mitch, you've had a great season. Things have gone well. You found velocity you'd never had before. You found poise and command you'd never had before. Great. Have a wonderful offseason. We'll see you in 2023. So instead, the team shuts him down for a little bit. No more than four or five extra days off. He comes back, pitches really well. Comes back again and does this. So yeah, I asked him. Well, you'll hear it. Hey, Mitch, whatever happened to the fatigue? Remember the fatigue? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that didn't look like fatigue, man. Not uh, no, inning. I've been feeling really good. Uh, just this, this this week leading up to the start, just, uh, just focus on recovery, making sure I was getting good sleep, staying hydrated. Um, just all the little things, all the little things add up to feeling really good. So it's, it's not that complicated. Yeah. It's pretty hard. Pretty hard. Pretty hard. In the world of pitching. This trait is known as toughness. These are pitchers who become branded in a good way as being tough. Now, if I had told you, oh, I don't know, two, three years ago, that I'd be able to tell you that Mitch Keller is a tough pitcher, you'd have probably laughed at me because he was getting labeled by a whole lot of people, including myself, not ducking this, as the next, you know, Kip Wells, Chris Benson, the nibbler types, the ones that are afraid to pitch inside, the ones that are afraid to pitch in the zone. That's all gone, my friends. I don't know, okay, what's going to happen next with Mitch's career. I don't know where 2023 is going to take him. But I do know that he's beginning to look and to perform, more importantly, the way a lot of us had anticipated back when he first came up three years ago, when he was seen as the top pitching prospect in the game, and then he shows up in Pittsburgh, and he's you know, giving up six, seven runs in an inning and two-thirds, and you're going, what is this? What's happened to this guy? He's afraid of the big league. Send him back. This is who he was supposed to be. But it's that with a lot of pluses after it. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Eric, who was one of many, many people to take my advice and read the column that I put up on DK Pittsburgh Sports yesterday regarding 
the way the Pirates are run from Bob Nutting, Travis Williams, Ben Charrington on down, the way they have disgracefully abandoned the 2022 team, left them to be supported by a bunch of waiver wire castoffs, and emphasizing the point in some pretty blunt terms that it can't happen again in 2023, or Nutting really would just need to sell the franchise. And as one can imagine, anytime you put something like that terminology into print, it's going to get a reaction. Uh, Anybody who knows me knows that I don't write toward reaction. I'm not trying to get a rise out of anybody or to get people talking about what I wrote or whatever. I've been at this a little bit uh, too long to be doing that sort of thing. It's just telling you what it is that I'm thinking based on, hopefully, a whole lot of accumulated information that's presented in a fair way that allows me to shape an opinion that is responsible and blah, 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 blah. But it's still ultimately just what I think, not more and not less. So Eric takes one passage from that column and quotes it. In his entry, it says, and this is the the passage from the column, and spare me that the owner can't be forced out. I promise you that in a place as inexorably linked to sports as Pittsburgh, the will can find a way. End paraphrasing of column. Eric's question, what measures could realistically be taken to force Nutting out? I'm asking this honestly. The other 29 owners will never vote him out. He's not competitive, and the other owners have to love him for how incompetently he runs his franchise. Nutting has absolutely no shame. Unless someone dramatically overpays for the franchise, he's not going to sell. He's going to laugh all the way to the bank. Eric, without getting into every single thing that you mentioned there, because it's a very long discussion, obviously I'm not exactly the type to be timid about having it. It's just that, you know, this show has a limited time frame to it. What can be done about it is that the city can organize, the community can organize, corporations, which are more in tune with each other than one might know, in the greater Pittsburgh area, but particularly the major ones that we have in downtown Pittsburgh can partake in that. People who are connected to sponsorships, direct sponsorships of the team can partake in that. There are tons of ways for it to happen. However, it involves organization. And the biggest, most ill-informed mistake that anybody makes when this subject comes up, and it does come up a lot in Pittsburgh, is to think that the media needs to start it. That is the absolute antithesis. (laughs) I can't even say antithesis. It's been a long trip already, it feels like. It is the absolute antithesis of what the media is supposed to do. Media, people like me, are supposed to report. Yes, that involves opinion. Yes, that involves opinion that's advocacy, meaning I am in favor of so-and-so getting fired or getting hired or being extended into the contract or whatever it is, or, you know, having a better hitting coach or something. That's stating an opinion. 
but it's not standing outside the stadium holding a sign that says, Andy Haynes is the worst. Get a new hitting coach. That's something else entirely. That's something that reporters report on. That's what we do. So if you or someone else, anyone else, were to organize something and to create some sort of push or funneling some joint efforts or creating some momentum toward, I don't know, I don't even know if the right word is protesting, protesting the pirates or whatever, it would be covered. That's what the media would actually do. The media is reactive. That's our nature. You do it, we report it. Why don't you stop covering the pirates? That'll show them. That's not this process. That's not journalism. Journalism is covering it. It's what we do. I cover the pirates. Our staff covers the pirates. Our business covers the pirates. Why? Because we made a commitment to cover Pittsburgh sports. It's in our name, DK Pittsburgh Sports. It's what we do. We don't need to be protesting anything. It would be weird if we protested something. It would be normal if we covered somebody else protesting something. That's not passing the buck. That's just capital J journalism. Nothing else to it. So if somebody wants to do something about this, go right ahead. If somebody wants to share information about what it is that they're doing, go right ahead. Chances are excellent it'll be reported. Do you really think... That any of the various news outlets, including ours and the TV stations and everywhere else, would pass up on a story like a protest of the pirates? But sitting around and waiting for the media to do it is just totally not understanding the dynamic. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. I've got one more day here in Milwaukee, and we'll do another one of these tomorrow. Tomorrow.